Artificial intelligence holds promise. It is the one that mimics human brain by learning, reasoning, predicting, and making decisions. It helps humans figure out when to alert themselves or to classify between things and bad. Having said that, AI is a double-edged sword. It is AI which has given birth to deep-based and social information. It is AI which can make discriminatory decisions because of bias. So what does it take to tackle all of this? Are there any ways to fight the challenges and make proper use of this technology? Let's hear more from one of our experts, Sabo Sami, and learn about the technology. Okay, I think we're live. Welcome everybody to episode four of the Global AI Podcast. I'm very happy to be here, especially on International Women's Month. And uh, we've been joined by the fabulous co-host that I have today, Somi. Uh, Hi. Four, and also Saba. So I'll let Somi do her own introductions right after myself. So if you've been here before, my name is Akansha. I'm an AI MVP down here from Melbourne and I'm joined by Somi today. Hi, thanks. Uh, Somi, Lead Consultant working at Telstra Purple. I'm very excited to be here and uh, we have got a lovely guest tonight. So I'm going to pass on to Sava to make her introduction. Everybody knows you, Sava, but feel free to have your intro. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Kia ora, everyone from New Zealand. Uh, and yes, my name is Sava Sami-E and I'm an AI and AI ethics enthusiast. So happy to be here tonight. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Oh, I'm so glad that, I mean, everyone kind of hates the whole lockdown world that we live in, but like it gets, it lets us do all these kind of things where we're joined by people from New Zealand and Melbourne and then Sydney. It's perfect. And I feel like I say that almost every virtual thing I do now. I'm like, yeah, it's a virtual reality. This is great. But anyway, um, thank you so much for being here today with us, Saba. We are so, so excited. And with ethics as a topic, it's just so, so broad. And it just kind of affects every little bit of our lives. I mean, do you want to take, like, maybe take a step back and introduce the people who don't necessarily know what any of this means, right? I mean, everyone knows there's ethics involved with AI, but what do you see that as? Sure. Um, I think the best way for me to answer that is to actually tell you how I got into AI ethics and how I stumbled across it. So it was about, um, how long has it been now? Five years ago? Yeah, that I... Uh, started like reading Stephen Hawking's books, um, actually a lot earlier than that, but um, I came across his warnings about artificial intelligence um, and then Elon Musk's warnings about artificial intelligence. So I, in my head, I wrote this um, amazing, in my head was amazing proposal. Um, and I went to uh, two universities in Auckland and I said, here comes Salva to the rescue of humanity. And um, the proposal was that I want to come and build a device that when robots take over, um, we can activate that device and it would kill the machine, but won't do any harm to the humans. And so I was uh, basically just turned down by the first university. And um, the second one, I was like, no, I believe in this and I'm going to go in there. And I was like, here comes me and bring me the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, and the the, uh, the professor who ended up being my supervisor was like, his first question was like, so what makes you think that robots are gonna take over? And I was like, because Stephen Hawking said so and, and Elon Musk said so, and, and so it must be true. And he's like, no, 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 no. So you can't just go to the world with a solution and then look for a problem. You first have to research what the problem is and if it exists. 
And so then my um, journey off um, kind of this AI ethics, well, later on I, I realized it was called AI ethics, um, started and I started that the part of the ethics that I touched on in my research was understanding why there are so many warnings about artificial intelligence. Um, and so that's part of the, the ethical side of it, to kind of understand the underlying reasons as to why these warnings exist. And, you know, uh, if some of them are media hype and, and if some of them are true and if the ones that are true, then why? Um, and then the other side of ethics, which is um, kind of, you know, obviously I finished my, my master's um, thesis, but I continued doing the research. I stumbled across you know, making sure that AI is fair and provides equality as opposed to kind of dividing people and it's diverse and brings more diversity to the world and also is used in the right way for the right reason. So um, not every developer who develops something develops it for, uh, you know, with bad intentions. In fact, most developers don't uh, develop things with bad intentions. It's just that um, sometimes we get so excited by an idea that we lose sight of the um, blind spots um, and the things and the unintended consequences. So um, basically what we, you know, AI ethics tries to, to touch on is understand all of these, you know, to say, take your foot off the accelerator, you know, take a break, you know, read the history, understand what went wrong before you and why, um, what could possibly go wrong with, with what you're trying to do and then how is it you can try to prevent it. So that's it in a nutshell. No, perfect. And I think something you just said there kind of reminded me of a conversation I had about kind of the same thing with someone before. And I think I'd, I'd just really be interested to hear what you would say about it. I think it was someone just like, oh, yeah, well, AI is going to solve all the problems we have with bias and all these inequality issues that we have in the world. And I remember being like, well, no, because the data we have is biased. So I mean, the best the model can do is learn the bias, right? I mean, it'll just highlight it. So how yeah. do we incorporate that in and then actually go about using that level to jump off and make it a better more equal world in that sense or is that even something that's possible yeah that's that's a really good question so one thing i always say i mean artificial intelligence has many many definitions um and the way i define it is that it's a replication of natural intelligence so it's a replication of us our brain uh, if you study the technicality of it, it's all about how do we replicate how the brain learns. Um, and if it learns the same way that we do, and to your point from the same data that we do, then it will pick up on our biases. I even read an article about the fact that AI picks up on our superstitions as well. So it can be superstitious algorithm. So um, uh, if you're not careful about how we're teaching it, um, and, and again, not invest enough time upfront researching those unintended consequences, then AI does what we do probably worse and probably faster. Um, and so to your point, yeah, it will exactly highlight. How do we address it? Well, that's a million dollar question. So um, uh, I think one of the ways, and not I don't think there's a silver bullet to that, but I think one of the ways is to make sure that the team that developed this artificial intelligence for any purpose uh, are a diverse team. So that you have, you know, uh, entry points or feedback from different people with different backgrounds. And by diversity, I don't mean just gender diversity, but that's also part of it. I also mean cultural diversity and, and age and generation diversity. I also mean talent diversity, you know, 
ability, disability diversity, every, every single bit that makes us different as human beings. So I think uh, by bringing that into the back end the development of AI, um, at least we can to a degree address some of these, um, you know, bias issues. And then of course, you know, test, the, the test data that you use is, is quite important. Um, but that's kind of one, one way of addressing it. I'm sure there's many more ways and that can work with this. That's really interesting. Uh, I've got another question here for you. At times, we do not realize what softwares that we are using, the services which are recommended, or the road that we've been suggested, they are all powered by AI. Has AI become more ridiculous in our day-to-day -day lives, or it's different? Is that what, is what we think it is? Uh, is, the, is AI, sorry, what? I didn't, I missed what part of the question. Is Has AI, AI become more ubiquitous? Uh, in our day-to-day lives. Okay. Yeah, my it's more, it's yeah. just been more, it's just a very part, I think, ubiquitous. Yeah, uh, well, ubiquitous. Yes, um, so I think, uh, yeah, we use AI a lot more than we realize that we hmm. do. So, um, and, and one thing that for me was very interesting when I studied, you know, the history of artificial intelligence is that it's not actually a new technology. Uh, the term AI has been coined for, you know, more than 60 plus years ago, I think it was 1958, yeah. six. Um, and, and some of these um, concepts that we learn in, in AI date back to, to even before, before the time that, that the term itself was actually coined. So it's not, it's not a new tech. Um, and so it's, it's not surprising that, you know, that something that has existed for a very long time, it's also integrated into different software and, and uh, different applications that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. And that can be anything from, you know, obviously our smartphones and, and tablets, but also, you know, could some of the appliances or, um, you know, our banking system, our transportation system, um, you know, you name it. I don't think there is any industry out there that hasn't, in one way or the other, used an AI-enabled application. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I would say it's it's not new. It's not coming. It's already here, and it's it's old. And the only thing that I think has uh, created this hype around AI is that it's only in, I would say, recent uh, decades. I would say in the last decade or, or a little bit maybe before that that they've. Um, realize how to commercialize it and, and how to make money out of it and how to scale it and how to actually make it work because AI in its history has so far has had two what we call as AI winters, which means because it couldn't deliver on the promises that it made, you know, the funding out of the R&D and therefore, you know, the commercialization of it was pulled. And so the research in it became, you know, a lot, a lot less. Um, but I, as the computational power improved, uh, and we started doing more with AI and we started proving that it can do a lot more. Um, then we started learning how to make money out of it, how to automate things, how to get rid of tasks that we don't like, how to increase productivity, reduce costs and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's why all of a sudden there was this, oh my God, it's going to change the world. And I think it will because it touches a lot of things. Yeah, you answered my second question. I was going to ask you, how come it becomes such a buzz? Because if it was there since like long time ago, why... In recent years, we've been hearing a lot about it. They were investing a lot through AI, and you're seeing lots of applications and lots of uh, platforms are using AI in a broader uh, scope. 
do you think that we really need to be very careful uh, with what's going on with this technology or what is your thought on that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I am an ethics enthusiast. So for a second, I was going to say ethicist, but um, I want to say that um, I, I think we need to, we need to be very careful with anything that moves this quickly. You know, mm. the pace of change that AI is bringing into our world is, is uh, significantly higher than the previous technologies that we've had. Um, and I think if you're not careful, then we will we will see history repeat itself with a new technology, but just at a, a bigger scale and probably a more devastating scale. It uh, doesn't mean it's all bad and doesn't mean we have to stop it, but it does mean that we have to spend a little bit more time up front to think about but why, why are we doing, why are we building a, a platform or, or an application? Um, and then how, how can it possibly go wrong? You know, there's, there's no problem in asking those, those questions up front. And then how can we prevent that? You know, you, you go and buy a drug from a drugstore um, and you see the side effects. You can see the possible side effects. Doesn't mean the, the pharmaceutical is going to stop producing that drug. It just means that you as, as the user take, make an informed decision to a degree that, hey, if, if I see these um, side effects, you know, one, I'm aware that I might experience them. And two, if I do, then I should stop using it. Um, so kind of like with the same concept, bringing the same concept into the world of AI, we can do, you know, a lot of upfront research in terms of, you know, making sure that we are moving in the right direction, putting the right restrictions in place. So it's not just about all go AI, all using AI platforms. It's just about the and to answer the why and why we are going toward that path and if that or if AI actually solve a problem. Yeah, exactly. And then to, to my previous point, when you have a diverse team of developers, a, a team that have had uh, experience, you know, different experiences than, than that of the actual like core developing team, those are the people that can tell you how a particular technology that you're using or how the way you're using it, the way you're collecting data could possibly harm some others. Um, mm -hmm. I was having a chat with someone last week. I won't mention the name of the company. It's, it's an amazing company though, um, just because I haven't had permission from them to. But they were, the, he mentioned, this guy mentioned to me that they were working on this, this application that they wanted to develop and they needed some data and they thought, well, if, you know, if you go to some countries and, and we pay people to collect data, then, then it could be good because, you know, they get something out of it and we tell them why we collecting data and then we educate them as to what we're doing with the data. And then someone was like, who was from that region that this, this person or this team wanted to collect data from was like, actually, no, because in that region, the, the head of the family could actually force everyone else to go and, and give their data, even if they don't want to, just because they want to get the money. Yeah. So um, it's not just the end game always that can be unethical or misused. It's the journey as well. And um, yeah, I think spending that time to understand, you know, different consequences of what you're doing is very, very important. And um, I guess it's kind of related on that trend, a little bit differently, but I'm a very big supporter and a fan of kind of the low code applications that are being built, like the whole democratization of AI. I just think it's great. 
but obviously it does come with that whole great power, great responsibility, especially in that sense, right? So, I mean, if the case of like, I mean, what I guess I'm asking for is more ta- like almost tangible things for the citizen data scientists out in the world to kind of look out for it. Like, these are people who don't necessarily have a tech background, can use the develop like the devices in front of them and get an answer out there. But how do they make sure that what they're doing isn't really biased or is ethical in that sense, if there's like one or two kind of takeaway points that they can keep in mind as they build out their own solutions? Yeah, I think um, educating yourself is very, very key. And uh, the amount of information available on the internet for free and simple to understand is so much that I don't think we have the excuse um, not to use them or not to know. So um, I know for a fact, you know, coming from Microsoft, that Microsoft have a responsible AI guidelines available on their website. So uh, whether you are building your your application on a Microsoft platform or not, it's always good to go and read those guidelines. It doesn't take very long. They're not like, you know, pages and pages of, you know, um, legal documentations that, you know, I think sometimes when we say ethics and then lawyers get involved and that's sometimes what people think or it's something that's going to slow down my work uh, but but it's actually not so um, just spend some time up front you know I, I'm sure Google has some ethical guidelines and, and some of these big companies they have spent a lot of time a lot of money a lot of resources to actually research what these guidelines look like um, so go and um, educate yourself on that before you step into you know dive into development it's good it's great because it's um it's exciting you know when you have an idea all you want to see is it's, it's coming to life but i think we are getting to the point where everyone needs to keep in mind that this baby that's coming into this world what is it going to do what is it going to achieve um and how do i make sure that as someone who is the developer of this application that i show my responsibility that i cover my blind spots educating yourself is key that's very interesting i have another question on this one so does the danger of ai mean that we have to stop investing in this technology or this is what the job of ai ethics is or it's yeah, a scary um, and gray area so <laughs> yes that's that's a, that's a good question so um uh no it doesn't so one of the things is um that I've recently come across and, and as someone who was so focused on the, the negative and how could things go wrong for so long, I was like, well, you know, so what do we do kind of thing. Um, the reality is bad ethics can also be unethical in itself. And by that, I mean, if you think too much about the negative side of things, and you stop the development of something that could potentially be good for the society, that in itself is is unethical. So ethics is good to a degree to kind of make sure that you uh, do things for the right reason. But for example, if I have, you know, an application of some sort that can diagnose cancer at a higher, more accurate rate, and for whatever reason, I figure out that it could be misused in other ways. Um, I think what I could do is, you know, as as someone who's responsible for developing that, that I do the research in terms of the customers that use this, put my terms and conditions in place and say that, you know, you're not allowed to use it for X, Y, and Z or 
or only um, partner with the companies that I know use these technologies in an ethical way. But if I completely stop that and don't put it outside, then by not doing that, I am ca causing harm for the society. So no, absolutely not. The job of ethics isn't to stop things, isn't uh, even, sometimes it might slow things down, but I don't think that's a bad thing all the time. It's that answers for, the question. It's to, yeah, it does. So it, you yeah. did actually. So it's it's just to make sure that we are on the right track and we are improving mm. by doing that initial assessment and investment to make sure that we are we are ethical in the path that we yeah. are on. Interesting. Exactly. Thank you. That's okay. Um, I guess, I mean, God, there's just so many different parts of it <laughs> that relate <laughs> into it, right? And it's kind of like one of those things of where do you draw the line? I mean... So there's all these things that happen, right? I mean, we've seen the, I think was it Uber or some, or Uber or Google, one of their companies that were trying to autonomous vehicle driving, that a van ran into someone and killed a person, like a, just a pedestrian. Or mm. every single day, like I think it was a Tom Cruise deep fake the other day that popped up that looked unbelievably real. Like where, where is the line where, yes, autonomous vehicles would be great and it'll be so much more helpful where do we draw the line with these kind of things? Like how do the ethics come into play with there? Yeah, those are really interesting questions. And um, the thing that I like about ethics is that every time you, you dive into it, you end up with more questions than you end up with answers. So um, I don't think I have the answer for your question in general. I think for every application, it's on a case by case basis country by country basis, maybe industry vertical by industry vertical basis. So with regards to the um, driverless cars, um, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people in terms of what do they think um, the ethical implications of, you know, being killed by a person versus being killed by a car is. Um, and I've got some really interesting answers. You know, I, I remember asking, um, we were talking about, you know, this whole um, dilemma uh, of the, the driverless cars ethics and the trolley problem. I can dive into that if you want to. Um, and I, I asked one of my colleagues and I was like, so, so what do you do? If, if you were to, so the trolley problem for those who don't know, it's, you know, if there's a, say for example, you, you're in a car uh, and and there's a, a group, bunch of kids on the side of the road. If if you don't steer away, you, you kill them. And if you if you do, then you kill yourself or, or someone else, then how do you make that decision? Um, there's like ton different versions of that as well. Um, so then, then I, I put the question to the person asking me this. And so, so what do you do? And someone who was walking past was like, oh, it depends on my insurance policy. So um, that to me was like, it's an accountability question. You know, as, as someone who, you know, is driving, some people probably care more about the accountability side than, than the actual ethical side, because none of these decisions are right and none of them are completely wrong either. So, um, but what the most interesting talk that I've had about the trolley problem is with a guy called Mahmoud Hikmet, who is the CIO of Omeo, uh, a company in New Zealand that's actually building these driverless cars. I do encourage everyone to go and watch his uh, YouTube video that he's made about the this trolley problem. Um, 
the the ethical dilemma that he says he says the actual trolley problem question is that if you are the decision maker here and someone tells you if you press a button and all the cars tomorrow on the roads become driverless cars and you have a lot less accidents during the year uh, but of the accidents that do happen it, they're all caused by machines but if you don't press that and and we stay the same then a lot more people will die every year but every everyone who's who's dead or injured has another another person on the other side of it to blame for so i think that's the actual ethical dilemma here to what do you then decide do you go okay less people at risk but machines kill them or more people at risk but i've got someone to to hold to account so a lot of these things come to the whole accountability thing you know it's um if if someone lost a dear one to an accident uh will they want to see another person be punished for that wrongdoing or would they want to see you know a car getting a thousand negative points um or some kind of a financial incentive from the company you know it's it's so there's no there's no right or wrong uh, well th there's no simple answer to that yeah. Uh, no, I mean, everyone's so, going to answer that differently. No, and I'm so exactly. And I mean, that was kind of where I was getting to a little bit as well. I'm so glad you brought that up where people kind of think of technology as this thing that's going to unify the whole world. It's going to make globalization so much easier because everything will apply the same everywhere. But it really is not the case with AI because every place has their own traditions and every the cultures have such a key part in how ethics are perceived, right? I mean, every mm -hmm. single person will have a different point of view on their own personal ethics than the person beside them. Even if they've grown up in the exact same lives, everyone is so different that I think people at times kind of forget that part of ethics where even the answer to it is gonna have to be very personalized. Yes, and I think the other very important thing is whatever we define today is going to set up the foundation of ethics for the future generations. So they're going to be brought up into this world accepting that this is how things are. Uh, unlikely that they would challenge it as well. I mean, how many times do we challenge the whole industrial revolution and that we are sitting at our desks and not bringing water from the well, but at the, as a result, yes, we are, our brains are probably smarter, but our bodies are kind of getting weaker and, you know, we're getting, you know, I don't know, more diabetes and more heart disease and all that kind of stuff. So we don't really, because that's how we've, we're born, we're born with this. So that's, that's all we know. So the future generations, that's all they're going to know. So whatever we put in place today is going to set those foundations for future generations as well. So that's why I think it's quite, um, to answer your other um, application, deep fake one, it's, um, it's interesting. Personally, I never, I never get the why behind why someone came up with that. Uh, I would love to know if, if someone who's listening knows why this came about and what was the, the idea behind it. Um, I do know that Microsoft has released a, um, just before the US election, the last US election in 2020, they released um, a, a way of detecting those deep fake videos. So it was kind of like already like a virus, antivirus was already um produced but yes that's i think t in my perspective that's where you definitely draw the line that's interesting so we need to 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 maybe prevent for the deep 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 fake or maybe to make it more identifiable we need to make it like a bad solution or 
do something to be able to identify or distinguish between the human voice and the robot voice and somehow make it noticeable as a solution or um, maybe like, I don't know provide a bad AI solution to have that yeah. fault in it so at least you can understand between if it's real or if it's not but as you mentioned Microsoft has proposed a new solution so I guess they're trying to draw that line and make sure that yeah it doesn't do harm yeah I think uh, kind of like a static version of that and I'm not saying it was bad but Photoshop was pretty much the same thing for photos right you can take anyone's photo and look at, look make it look like whatever it is that you want you know and and it's not just about putting people and places that they've never been it's about making people look like uh what they don't look like in the real world and therefore create this you know with the models and the fashion industries what is what i'm talking about is everyone now aspires to have flawless skin and like amazing body whereas the model who's actually posing there probably doesn't even have what you're seeing on the on that picture but yeah. you have people going to all this extent to to make themselves look like that. So, um, yeah, I think at some point, maybe, I don't know, people would, it will be good for people to actually identify these deep fake videos with just bare eyes. Like we know what's Photoshop, what's not most of the times. <laughs> is that just the evolution of our own brains at that stage of, well, this is normality. I've just decided to now like, see what I see. So that's, it's interesting. I think, yeah, I, I know. And it depends. Like if you know the person and you hear something from them, you're like, well, no, that's out of character. It can't be that person. Or this person is, I don't know, passed away X many years ago and this video was just created yesterday. So different, different ways. But I think there's definitely, we need a software to identify it. It's very interesting and kind of scary, I guess, it because AI is such a powerful thing that we have out there and everybody can use it in their own way, right? So it makes it a bit more dangerous, I guess. How we can, how can we make sure that, because as a developer, for example, you make sure that you deliver a good software, you deliver a good product, make sure that you follow all the policies, all, all the ethics, but there are people out there that can abuse the system, how we can, mm -hmm have some, some, something in place to make sure that we have a good AI solution out there, or if there are other people's like making or hacking things up, cannot use AI, the power of AI to do something else. I know we cannot like prevent it 100%, but is there anything that you can um, suggest or recommend that help people who are out there to maybe consider it? Yeah, I think, look, as long as people exist, there's always good intentions, bad intentions. And as long as, um, well, when there's a will, there's a way, positive or yeah, negative. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think with AI ethics, um, just like most other industries, uh, I see four key pillars playing a role in, in you know, making sure that it's, it's used in the right way. One is governments need to definitely um, step up the game be a little bit quicker in turn and, and more proactive with regards to setting up legislations and you know whether even if every country is different um that's fine but at least have some guidelines have some legislations have some illegal use of ai um that is defined in place and everyone knows about it and the other one is um the companies and the investors who actually invest into anything for development ask that question from your partners, from your developer, from your people, from your researcher. 
the developers definitely, you know, at the end of the day, those are the ones who are actually developing this tech together, know the ins and outs of it. Um, so maybe think a little bit outside the box, think a little bit outside of your vision and think, well, if there was another developer as smart as you are on the other side and wanted to misuse this, then how could they? And then what can you do? Or what can you suggest to, to others? It may not be you as a developer, but how can you suggest to the company to prevent that? And last but not the least, and or even most important is the users. And that's where the whole education piece comes along. So I, I founded this company called Comfort.ai last year dedicated to making artificial intelligence everyone's comfort zone and all i do through that company is educate people um you know by just understanding what this technology is not only the fear of this you know ai goes away but also they start asking questions as to this thing that i'm using is it developed by an ethical source an ethical company because every single source of data that i give them and every dollar is basically a vote that I want you to exist. So start asking that questions. And if users don't use AI, then AI is not useful because it needs data. Um, so I think those four pillars are quite key. Um, and then bad guys always exist. So it's going to be an ongoing battle. <laughs> bad people. I'm going to use gender neutral. For, uh, sorry, not guys, bad people. Yeah, um, I've, I've started saying folks to everything, and it just sounds like I'm saying fairies and folktales for absolutely everything now, how I refer to people, but it's just become my thing. Like, folks, this is it. <laughs> um, yes, folks, yes. Exactly. But I think, I mean, to kind of wrap up everything you mentioned, I'm just in my own head trying to keep everything straight. I'm like, all the tips and tricks, I guess, making sure we've got diverse teams to actually make sure all different viewpoints are considered and looked at. Oh, so many stories about how things have gone wrong because they just didn't know to look out for something because they've never experienced that themselves. Um, making sure you've actually bet up on things and actually understand the different parts of it. And you've already mentioned just there the four different pillars. But I guess for maybe the, just the developers themselves or whether that's the citizen data scientist out there, where can they go and find these? I know you mentioned a bit here and there about responsible AI that Microsoft put out, a few things on Google. Is there something that you have found has been super helpful when you were kind of getting up to scale with everything around it, that just one or two kind of links, or we can share them later if you'd like. Um, I can send you some links in terms of, you know, some, some kind of good places, you know, guidelines uh, that I have seen. But the reality is when I did my research, um, I was actually quite shocked by lack of ethical resources out there. And I think that's one thing, that's one of the pillars of danger that I pointed out in my thesis. Since then, things have progressed a little bit, maybe not as much as they should. Uh, but I know IEEE now has an ethical um, kind of pillar, Triple AI. These are like well-known um, journals in the world. Um, so academia uh, is kind of focusing on it a little bit more, but industry is still so far behind um no i won't say there's like one place it all depends on what is it you're trying to do but just know this that whatever project you're working on you are unlikely to be the first person that has worked on it so a simple you know google or bing search is not going to take long for you to to read about you know other people's experiences and it you might come across other things not just the unethical but things that have gone wrong and other projects that you can now prevent and succeed this time. So, um, yeah, I would say do your research. 
please. I have a great, fabulous note to wrap this up on, in fairness, I think. It just wraps everything up really, really well, unless Sony had any other questions. No, I, I have too many, but it doesn't. <laughs> we need another session to go through it. <laughs> I feel like that happens after every single time we do this. I don't know if you felt this only. I'm just like, yeah. I feel like leave with like, can we keep talking for about another three hours? It'll just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially with, with ethics, it's kind of like, oh, that's interesting. What about that? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's just one rabbit hole to another and just you keep spiraling. It's great. Like, it's always just fabulous conversations. But Look, we might actually wrap it up in that sense. And I'm sure any um, materials we can find, we'll share those all on our socials. Um, Saba, thank you so, so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. And I know it's a little bit later in New Zealand. So thank you so much. Thanks for joining. No problem. No problem. For anyone on uh, the podcast listening, uh, feel free to reach out to me if you want to have any further conversations. Always happy to. And we can obviously definitely back that up because she was happy to talk to us, right? So, I mean, we'll share all the questions. <laughs> yeah. Really easily okay. And with that, we might say goodbye for tonight. And our next uh, podcast will be at the end of April and it'll be about AI in IoT. So look forward to that. And until then, this is it. Thank you. Oh, Thanks again, Thank Sarah. you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye.